to Ireland. Lord, and we want to pray, God, that you would bless uh, what Brian has prepared for us. On, and just answering that question, why Ireland? Lord, I'm, I'm looking forward to this session. And, uh, Lord, I pray, God, uh, we've been through a, a lot of teaching thus far. Just help us to have listening ears and hearts and just to see the burden that you put on upon our brother Brian uh, to Ireland. Lord, we thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, I, I already told Pastor Hedges that I appreciate, not only has he let me speak once, but this is my third time of speaking. And so uh, that is truly an honor for me. But I do have to let you know that I did feel a little convicted uh, when Pastor Godfrey was speaking. Uh, I wrote, wrote on a note, he said, serving the Lord on an island is dangerous and borderline unbiblical. And I'm supposed to talk about why you should go to the island of Ireland. And so... Uh, maybe some some conflicting messages here. No, um, why Ireland? It's an interesting question, and it's one that I'm thankful that I get to answer this morning. Um, I was preaching a couple weeks ago in Jacksonville, Florida, and after the service, I went back and watched part of the live stream. And uh, in the live stream, a lady made a comment, and I like wrote it down. Uh, I want to read you word for word what this lady said on this live stream of me preaching and giving my Ireland presentation. I don't understand why these people want to go to other countries uh, when we need more people to preach the gospel here. Why isn't this? And then she put missionary in quotes, staying in America. That's what this lady wrote on my sermon. So that didn't feel very nice. But I suppose that's maybe a good question. You know, we need so many people here in America preaching the gospel. Um, why, uh, so why Ireland? Um, honestly, from my earthly American perspective, my life would be easier if I wasn't going to Ireland. And I put easier in quotes because if I wasn't going to Ireland, I'd be outside of God's will because that's where God's called me to. Um, and I don't want to live my life in rebellion to what God's called me to do. But in a practical sense, uh, to not go to Ireland would certainly be easier. I could probably go find a job doing music or teaching youth somewhere at a church somewhere in America. Wouldn't have to leave my family and my friends. Um, hypothetically, it'd be easier to find a wife. I don't, you know, I say hypothetically, you know. But all of those things, if I wasn't going to Ireland, um, in some ways they'd be easier. So why is Ireland where I'm going? Um, I guess the easy question, he gave me an hour, so I can't just say why not. Uh, you know, I have to go a little bit more in depth than that. But why Ireland? Why, why am I not only going to Ireland? Why am I excited to leave my family and my friends and to leave America behind to take the gospel to a place so far from home? Um, I guess from a very from a biblical perspective, we understand that if we don't go to Ireland, we can't fulfill the command Christ gave us to go into all the world. And Ireland happens to be part of the world. So we understand that part. But I'm going to assume here at Vision Conference that I don't need to speak to you about the need to go into the gospel. You're, I hope that you understand that that is the command that Christ has given us to go into all the world. Um, but what I do want to talk about is why Ireland specifically is one of the key places. Uh, Pastor Hedges spoke yesterday about taking key men with key uh, methods to key places and um, if you are considering what God would have for your life, if you're considering going, or if you're a pastor considering sending, or you're considering supporting, uh, I do hope that you will consider Ireland. Um, I believe Ireland is a key place, but I think it's also a forgotten and ignored place uh, when it comes to the gospel. When I when I and I shared my story, when I began looking at different countries to go to as a missionary. Um, I knew nothing about Ireland. I just assumed there would be tons of missionaries there preaching the gospel. And I found out that that is not the case. If you look at many of the different missionary sending agencies and sending boards that are sending missionaries into the world, um, very few of them have missionaries in Ireland. Now, I'm not a Southern Baptist missionary, but I'm going to give you information about the International Missions Board uh, through the Southern Baptist Convention. They have 3,500 missionaries all over the world. Zero missionaries in Ireland. A couple of years ago, the Southern Baptist Convention pulled all of their missionaries out of Ireland. Um, many different mission sending boards have no missionaries currently in Ireland preaching the gospel. Um, and, and the reason that that bothers me is that cults and perversions of Christianity see Ireland as a key place. 
But those who have the message of God's word, for whatever reason, have neglected this country when it comes to the gospel. So I want to tell you more about why I feel so strongly that we should focus our efforts um, and consider Ireland. Now, as a side note, I, I want to say this. Anybody who God calls anywhere, I hope that they would view that place as a key location. So I'm talking about why Ireland. And as I say why Ireland, I don't want you to think like, well, this guy thinks that Ireland needs missionaries more than anywhere else. The whole world needs the gospel. We understand that. Um, and so Ireland, the souls in Ireland are just as lost as the souls in Illinois, in Harrisonville, anywhere else. And so I just want to go in with that understanding. So I hope you'll grant me that grace as I speak um, specifically why we should consider Ireland, that I'm not naive to think that other places don't need the gospel um, as well. But I do want us to see today that we can reach the whole world for Christ if we will get serious and we'll get invested and we'll get involved in Ireland. Um, but, but, but before specifically dealing with why Ireland, I just want to share a little bit more about myself because I know some of you uh, don't know me that well. Um, some of you do, but I just want to share again that uh, I am just a pastor's kid. Um, but not only am I a pastor's kid, I'm a pastor's grandson, I'm a pastor's nephew, my brother's in full-time ministry as well. I've grown up around pastors and ministry my whole life. But not only have I grown up around ministry and uh, pastors, I've grown up around church planting my whole life. Um, my grandfather planted multiple churches in Oklahoma, Kansas, and Missouri. My dad grew up around that when he was growing up, and that was he just got that in his blood, same with my uncle. And my uncles planted churches in Oklahoma. And my dad, when I was eight years old, we moved to Tucson, Arizona, and planted a church there. And then that church is still thriving, and they've sent people out to start other churches. So I just want to say, like, church planting, seeing churches started with the goal of starting other churches, of sending people out, winning people, discipling people, that's what I've known my whole life. And I've seen the ups and the downs of ministry. I've seen the ups and the downs of church planting. Um, you know, I've seen when you have to rent a space and you go in on a Saturday to set up and, uh, you're meeting in a school and they've decided that's the weekend they're going to clean the kitchen. So they put all the kitchen equipment in the auditorium and you can't move it. I've seen that. I've seen when they change the locks and they forget to tell you, I've seen all of those things, the ups and the downs of all those things. Um, but it's exciting to me. I, that's something I'm excited to be part of. I mean, my formative years were spent walking the streets of Tucson, Arizona, inviting people because we have this new church coming. And other than our family, we have no idea who's going to come. So we better go invite somebody to come to church. And you have that first service. You're like, I don't know if anyone's going to come, but they do. And it's exciting. And they come back for some reason. And you're like, this is awesome. And you're seeing people won the Lord and discipled. That's what I've known my whole life. And so what I'm excited about is to take that to Ireland. Um, I'm excited to take uh, church planting to Ireland, and I can't wait to see what God does in Ireland. Um, but but I've considered the cost, and I've considered uh, what will be given up to go to Ireland, and I'm ready and I'm excited to go there and take them the message of the gospel. Um, I've had the opportunity to serve on church staffs in Texas and Missouri and Ohio, and I've been had the opportunities to be involved in kids' ministry and youth ministry and music ministry and um, training people and uh, turning over ministries to people. In fact, I don't know if he'll be here tomorrow night, but what's exciting, um, I was sharing with someone about the guitar classes that I teach. And um, when I was on staff at a church in Springfield, my pastor said, hey, if you're going to be a missionary someday, part of being a missionary is learning to replace yourself. And you play guitar for all of our services. We don't have any other guitar players train one. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing. So I wrote this guitar curriculum and over a year, I taught 30 people guitar and uh, in these group classes. And one of the kids who went through that guitar class is now a member at Brad McGuire's church, and he plays guitar there. And I think he may be here uh, on tomorrow night, possibly. He was here last year for Vision Conference. But it's just cool to see how God has blessed that. Just being involved in ministry, training people for the work of the ministry, working yourself out of a job, going somewhere else, and starting something different. That's what I've been used to my whole life, and that's what I'm excited to take to Ireland. Um, so with all that being said, I want to talk to you about some of the specifics about Ireland. Um, and I want to talk a lot about Ireland today. But to understand Ireland today, I want to talk about Ireland in the past to understand how we got to today. Um, and so as I talk about Ireland in the past, like a good Baptist preacher, these are alliterated. So I want to talk about pagans, Patrick, and potatoes. That's what I want to talk about dealing with the past of Ireland. First, let's talk about the pagans. Put up the next picture, please. Uh, if you... 
I want you to kind of understand some of the history of Ireland and how Ireland got into the spiritual state that it's in today. Um, early religious worshipers in Ireland um, were known as the Druids, and they were very pagan. Uh, they were very barbaric in a lot of their practices, and they were known to worship the sun, and they were known to worship uh, nature. So when the very first missionaries ever got to Ireland and they shared with them about Christ, many of these people were willing to take on Christ, but they added Christ to what they already believed. And, and a perfect example of that, you see these beautiful Celtic crosses all over Ireland, and they're absolutely beautiful. Um, but what's interesting is when you learn the history of these crosses, the outside, the cross, does represent the cross of Jesus Christ, but the center represents the sun, which they already worship. So these people took the cross of Christ and the sun, which they already worshipped, and they put it together, and now they had these Celtic crosses. They took what they already worshipped and just added it to Jesus. And I think that's a, such a perfect picture of today what people all over the world will do. They're willing to believe Christ in addition to the things they already believe, but to abandon those beliefs and take on Christ solely as the sole uh, foundation of their faith and their lives. Um, people are hesitant to do that. But you see these crosses all over Ireland, um, and it goes back to the very pagan culture of Ireland and these early pagan Druid worshipers. But then, and go to the next picture, you have Patrick. Many people know him as St. Patrick. His name's actually Maywin Sakat. He wasn't born in Ireland. He was born in Britain. And when he was a teenager, he was kidnapped, and he was brought to Ireland by slaves. Many of you will know this. Uh, but Patrick was brought to Ireland, and he was forced to work as a slave. And he eventually um, is able to escape Ireland and go home. And he got religious training. But in his writings, he talks about these series of dreams that he had where he felt like God was impressing on him to go back to Ireland to share Christ with the barbarians of Ireland. The very people who had imprisoned him and made him a slave, he felt convicted to go back and reach these people for Christ. And, and the reason that I love Patrick so much and is that Patrick's desire to go reach these people reminds me of what Paul said in Romans 1, 14 through 16, the three I am statements Paul makes where he says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. When I read that, I'm reminded of Patrick saying, I want to go reach the barbarians. He felt he was indebted to these people who didn't know Christ. He saw the way they lived. He saw the things they believed. But he had Christ, and he knew that they needed Christ as well. And so for 30 years, Patrick had a ministry in Ireland and really changed the religious landscape of Ireland. And one of the things he wrote that it's on that picture that picture actually hangs in the hallway of Canton Baptist Temple, my sending church. Um, but what's written on what he is holding says this, Let every tongue confess that Jesus Christ, in whom we believe, and whom we await to come back to us in the near future, is Lord and God. Patrick preached a very orthodox Christianity. He was not Catholic, but Patrick had a very fruitful ministry. But go to the next picture. Um, there is the holiday of St. Patrick's Day, but if you go to the next picture, what you're going to see is what remains of him today. This is where Patrick is buried. It's in Down Patrick in Northern Ireland. And today, this is what remains of Patrick in Ireland. This once great missionary, he's remembered by this little stone in a holiday where people get drunk. That's what's remembered of him today. This once great religious heritage of this country is gone today, and that's all that remains. So you have the pagans and you have Patrick. But then I want to talk to you to understand Ireland. I want you to understand the potatoes. If you go to the next picture, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the potato famine in Ireland because this helps understand why Ireland. And in fact, uh, I, I love that this pastor was brought up this morning. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 11. I just, I'm not going to preach a sermon to you, but um, this chapter was brought up and uh, this chapter of scripture makes me think of Ireland and um, and kind of the parallels I see in the partnerships that I've been able to gain with churches as I, as I go around the country. In Acts 11, as Barnabas is sent from Jerusalem to Antioch and, and, and God is blessing as, as people are coming in to know Jesus, what I want you to look at is verse 27. 
It says, And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus. Agabus is not a main character in the Bible. He's only mentioned two different places in the Bible. But it says, And uh, stood up one of them named Agabus, and he signified by the Spirit there should be great dearth or great famine throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. We don't know a ton about Agabus, but we do, what we do know is that he's sent from a church to another church on a mission from God asking for money. If this isn't a missionary, I don't know what is. Uh, you know, I love Agabus. But he comes and he says, hey, there's this famine that's coming. And this is what happens. Look at this. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto their brethren which dwelt in Judea. They determined to give financial gifts, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. They sent money, but they also sent people who had been serving in their church back to Jerusalem to get involved, to get their hands dirty in the situation. The reason I love those verses is that Agabus comes and says, hey, there's this famine that's coming to Jerusalem. We need help. And the church determined to get involved, and they sent finances, but they also sent people. Like Agabus went to Antioch and said, there's a famine coming. I'm going to churches saying, hey, the famine has already hit Ireland. There's a spiritual famine, a spiritual darkness that has hit the country of Ireland, and I need your help. I don't just want money. I want people to come and help us serve as well. Ireland is a country that knows about famine. In 1840, the population of Ireland was 8 million people, and a disease called potato blight came in, and it ruined the potato crops. And in a few years, 2 million people died and 2 million people left Ireland with most of those people coming to America. And what's interesting is that today, because so many Irish people came to America, there's about 30 million Irish people in America. In Ireland, there's about 4.5 million Irish people. So there's more Irish people in America than there is in Ireland, which is a little fun fact for you. But what's interesting is that Um, this potato famine hits and all these people leave Ireland. The population goes down to 4 million people. It's cut in half. Today, Ireland's one of the few countries that's population is lower now than it was in the mid-1800s. Last summer, their population finally went above 5 million people uh, for the first time since the 1840s. Ireland was a country that physically was devastated because of the potato famine that hit Ireland But the greater famine today is the spiritual famine of people dying and starving because they don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're relying on their good works. They're relying on tradition. They're relying on things that will not ever save them. And the spiritual famine has hit Ireland. And today, that's why I'm going. That's why I'm going, to go help with this spiritual famine, to take them the good news of the gospel, the only hope that any of them have. Shortly after the potato famine happened in 1840, there was a revival that hit Ireland. In 1859, there was a revival called the Ulster Revival. And you can go to the next picture. If, if you've been here at HBF when you've seen me do my Ireland presentation, you'll know that this is the Iron Church. It's one of the two churches I get to go help in Ireland. This building was built in 1860. After this revival in 1859, 100,000 people came to know the Lord. There was, new, there was a need for new churches in Ireland. So this iron church building was just put up in the country um, back in 1860. And for a long time, it was a healthy, thriving church. But that church building sat vacant for about 30 years. Um, a while ago, a lady that was driving 45 minutes to our other church passed by this building. And she was like, huh. I wonder if we can buy that and use it for a church. And she, this lady bought this church building. And now there's a Bible study that meets there, and I get the opportunity to go serve along in that church. But the reason I show you that church is to show you that one of the only remnants of this thriving revival in Ireland is all these empty churches that once were full of people hungry for the word of God, but now they sit, sit vacant. Or worse, they've been bought and they've been turned into pubs, they've been turned into clubs, um, And these churches are sitting empty. So Ireland has this history of a time when they didn't know the Lord. And many people knew the Lord. They were sending missionaries into all the world. But these remnants of these great things are things like you have a a random cross hanging in the countryside. You have these empty church buildings. There's not much fruit that you see today for the great godly heritage that there once was in Ireland. And so now I want to talk to you about Ireland at present. You can go to the next picture. 
The effects of the lack of the gospel in Ireland show themselves everywhere. In the last 30 years, Ireland has drastically, drastically changed. Um, It used to be one of the most conservative countries in the world. And now in Ireland, most drugs are legal, abortion is legal, gay marriage is legal. The prime minister of Ireland is a homosexual. Ireland has drastically changed. While once the Catholic Church used to have a great hold on Ireland, um, they've lost their influence. And even the the few things they did get right on moral issues, people don't want to listen to what they have to say because they've proven that they are frauds and there's scandals, and they want nothing to do with the Catholic Church. And so Ireland has drastically changed, and religion in Ireland um, is basically non-existent aside from Catholicism. If you've heard me do my Ireland presentation, you're going to hear me say this again. Today, Ireland is the least evangelized English-speaking country in the world. 1.55% of Ireland is any kind of evangelical, meaning non-Catholic Christian. Evangelical is a very broad brush. Assembly of God, Pentecostal, Methodist, all these different things are going to be under that banner of evangelical. 1.55%. If you, I would, I would encourage you to look up the numbers because when I read them, I didn't think that it was real. Because by, statistically, Ireland has a lower evangelical percentage of their population than China, Egypt, Cambodia, Vietnam, and like I've told you, even North Korea, 1.56%. By percentage, Ireland is so incredibly dark for the gospel. So why Ireland? Because unlike many of these other countries, Ireland is open to the gospel. We, right now in Ireland, we have the opportunity to go and reach people. We have the opportunity to take the gospel in the streets. We have the opportunity to go and pass out tracts, evangelize people, meet together for a church, start churches all over Ireland. We have that opportunity right now, but so few are going. The other reason that, to me, a simpleton like me, that Ireland is a great opportunity is that there is no language barrier. Whether it's someone who, like me, is willing to sacrifice the rest of their life to go to Ireland to reach people for Christ, or whether it's somebody who's like, you know what, I'm willing to give a couple weeks, I'm willing to give a couple months to go over there and get involved in some way, there's no language barrier. So people can be involved in ministry in Ireland. And while there's such a great need there and there's such a great darkness in Ireland, it can seem overwhelming, um, to me it just presents a great opportunity. Because you don't have to wonder, well, where do I go? You just go anywhere. You just go anywhere in Ireland. Everywhere you go is going to need the gospel. Uh, This picture is a picture of the city of Dublin. 1.2 million people living in Dublin. And Dublin is becoming a melting pot of cultures. I shared with you earlier that um, Ireland's incredibly business friendly. So companies like Google, Apple, Microsoft, PayPal, eBay, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon. Their European headquarters have been moved to Dublin, Ireland, becoming like the Silicon Valley of Europe. So because of that, people from all over the world are moving to Ireland for these jobs. In addition to that, what I loved was hearing about the testimony of Living Faith Boston, how they truly view it as this opportunity to reach these college students from all over the world and then send them out. Ireland or Dublin is also a college town, Trinity College and many other colleges right there that are some of the best schools in Europe, people coming from all over the world to study at. So you have a college town, you have a business town, and you have a city that's becoming a melting pot of cultures. And when people think of Ireland, they think of people that look like me. But it's becoming this melting pot where if we can reach Ireland, if we can reach Dublin, if we can reach Cork, if we can reach this tiny island, we can reach the world for Christ because people are coming to Ireland. And so that's why one of the reasons Ireland is such a great opportunity. Um, And if you go to the next picture, I want to share with you this a little bit more about the city that I'm specifically going to when I first get to Ireland. This city is called Drogheda. Drogheda, it's D-R-O-G-H-E-D-A. If you have a binder, you want to write it down. D-R-O-G-H-E-D-A is Drogheda. And uh, Drogheda is the first train stop north of Dublin, Okay. So as people are moving to Ireland, it's so expensive to live in Dublin, they're moving to the suburbs. The suburb I'm moving to is called Drogheda, 45,000 people. 
We're estimated to be over 10,000, uh, over 100,000 people in the next 10 years. So it's a very strategic city for the gospel because people are moving to Drahada like crazy. And I, um, go to the next picture as well. This is another picture of Drahada. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful little city, beautiful little village. I hope that you'll, you'll come see it. Um, but let me just share with you because some of you in this room don't know the exact plans that I have. But this is what I'm excited about because this is what this church, one of my partners, gets to be part of. In the next picture, you see Pastor Rayburn and you see his wife, Edel. You've heard me tell the story. He was raised in the Church of Ireland until Baptist missionaries shared the gospel with him. He came to know Christ. His wife was raised Catholic. Baptist missionaries from America shared the gospel. She received Jesus Christ as their Savior. They were then sent as missionaries from Ireland to Armenia. He had a ministry for 13 years, broadcasting the gospel into Iran through the radio and doing discipleship with Arabs and Muslims that were coming to Armenia and then sending them into Iran and sending them to these other places that people couldn't get to. Had a wonderful ministry for 13 years in Armenia until God closed the doors for ministry for them three years ago. Their daughter, her name's Joy. She's the one, uh, tall one in the back. She's 21 years old. She had some health problems, and they had to leave Armenia. And when he came back to Ireland, there were two churches that were without a pastor. And they said, hey, would you consider, you know, leading us? And he was like, I don't know why God would want me to pastor two churches at the same time. But if this is what God wants me to do, I'm willing to do it. The problem is Pastor Rayburn lives up in Northern Ireland. Every Sunday, he drives three and a half hours round trip to pastor these churches. Um, and during the week, if someone needs to be discipled or if someone needs to be visited in the hospital, all these things need to happen. It's just a huge undertaking for him because he's still supported financially as a missionary. He has supporting churches in Ireland, but he's supported very low because uh, the churches that he serves are not able to find, uh, you know, support him fully financially. The reason I tell you about Pastor Rayburn is that when I began praying about going to Ireland, and I'm going to share with you in a bit some of the opportunities in the, some of the cities, I thought I would be going to work with some Americans. Um, my sending church in Canton, Ohio, has two missionary families that are in Ireland. One of them is right outside of Cork um, in a city called Mallow, and the other one just started a church in a place called Tralee. They're both on the southwest side of Ireland. And I thought I would go work with them because that seemed very, very comfortable, very, very safe, especially to go work in Mallow. There's two missionaries working together. I'd be the third guy, really no pressure. It's a really thriving ministry already. Uh, my friend Josh, he has a church plant. He's getting going. Things are already moving there. That was very comfortable to go work with Americans in an established ministry with people I already know from my same church. But I found out about Pastor Rayburn, and I was like, you know what? I should at least have lunch with him, you know, because ultimately I just want to be available uh, to whatever God would have for me. And, you know, I want to go to Ireland. I want to reach kids, reach the youth. I want to use my background in music. I want to, you know, disciple people. And what's interesting is when I met with Pastor Rayburn and I heard his story and I saw the churches, he knew that I had friends in Ireland. And he said, listen. He's like, I'm not the Holy Spirit. He's like, you know, you need to go where God would want you. And if you want to go work with your friends, that's totally fine. I wouldn't blame you. He's like, we just need so much help here. He's like, I don't know anything about kids ministry. He's like, I don't know anything about music. And he's like, and uh, he's like, we need help with our discipleship. And I was like, well, Pastor Rayburn, those are literally the three areas of ministry that I've been praying that God would allow me to be involved in in Ireland. And you didn't even know that. And the three things I've been praying about are the three things you just told me you needed help with. And uh, it was just instant that God just really knit our hearts together. And what's amazing is he and I could not be more different of people. Uh, Pastor Rayburn, we could not be more different whatsoever. But he has such a tender heart for God. He loves God's people. He loves God's word. And he's like, listen, these churches are ready to grow. These people are done playing church. Their churches were about to die before he took over them, and now they're really thriving. Now the problem is, he's like, man, if we could have someone who was here with, you know, resources and time to be invested in these people, I really think that they could catch the vision we could grow. And I was like, well, those are hopefully the two things that I have, is resources and time. And so I get the opportunity to go partner with Pastor Rayburn. And what I'm super pumped about, and I know you've heard me say this, 
I don't have to learn a new language, but I do want to assimilate to the Irish culture. I want to. I don't want to take America with me. I want to take the Bible with me, and I want to assimilate to the Irish culture. And the opportunity to work with an Irish pastor instead of other Americans is such a huge advantage. All of my time will be spent around Irish people, and I'm hoping that next time you hear me, I have an accent. That'd be well. You'll probably hear me tonight, but uh, probably not that fast. But it's just such a great opportunity to go and partner with Pastor Rayburn. Go to the next picture. You've, you've seen some of these pictures. This is the Boyne Valley Baptist Church. It's where I get to go serve with Pastor Rayburn right outside the city of Drogheda. Go to the next picture, please. Our church building was built in 1796. Um, it was sitting vacant for a long time. And then the small Baptist congregation was able to buy it and uh, fix it up. There's still some work that we need to do that I'm going to get to help them to do. And go to the next picture. Uh, I showed this with you on Sunday. The children's ministry building that we had previously was one room for ages 2 to 14, one Sunday school classroom. Our pastor had been looking for a new building, and we found this one. A guy gave us a great deal on it. They had basically no money in the bank, and he's like, I don't know how we're going to afford it. I said, God will provide. I'm going to help raise those funds. Within three weeks, 20 grand was given. That money has been sent to Ireland. On April 24th, this building is going to be installed. This is our new children's ministry building. It's four times the size of what we previously had. gives us multiple Sunday school classrooms, multiple restrooms. And like I said, we're going to build a second level on top, hopefully, to be able to host teams coming to Ireland or teams already in Ireland to help us reach our community. Go to the next picture, please. I want to just share this with you. You've shown this picture, but I figured it would be a good one for you to look at while I share some of these next statistics. Ireland is a very young country. 22.5% of the population of Ireland is 15 years or younger. Now, I want to put that in perspective for you. That's 6% higher than America and 5% higher than England, which is just right right next door. Ireland is a very young country. 22.5% of the population is 15 years old or younger. And this is the demographic that I really hope God will allow me to reach uh, when I get to Ireland because these kids are raised uh, truly in a 2 Timothy 3.5 culture, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. All kids in Ireland are, go to religious schools. All schools in Ireland, public schools, are religious. It's just whether they're Catholic or whether they're Protestant. So kids are taught the Bible at school, but it's from a false perspective. So there is some foundation that these kids in Ireland are getting, but they're seeing the religion of their parents. They're seeing the religion of of Ireland, they're seeing that it doesn't work, and they don't want anything to do with it. Especially as kids become teenagers or college students, they are rejecting uh, religion altogether. And in Ireland, um, it's such a great opportunity because even though these schools are not teaching the correct things, since they are religious in nature, it allows us, it gives us an easier opportunity to take the gospel into the schools. I shared with you that through Child Evangelism Fellowship Ireland, we have an opportunity to start after-school gospel outreaches in our community. CEF Ireland has outreach currently in 31 of 32 counties in Ireland. They have none where we'll be living. I'm moving to County Louth. They have no outreach because there's no churches they've been able to tie their ministries to. And so we're hoping to partner with them, use their partnerships to give us opportunities to get into these schools in Ireland to reach these kids with God's word. And I'm so excited about that, to be able to take the gospel into public schools in Ireland. Like, it's such a great opportunity, and I I truly cannot wait to get there and do that. The other thing is, and I shared with you, young adults ministry. Um, I found out about a ministry in Northern Ireland where where young adults drive one to two hours once a month just to have fellowship with other believers because there's... Very few around. And um, we're going to be starting that ministry where we'll be at. There's young adults all over Ireland. And one thing I shared with you is the four boys that you see in the back of that picture, I'm so excited to go and disciple these young men. I shared with you the story of how all of these boys come from families where either their parents are divorced or their moms come to church but their dads are not believers. And all four of these boys' moms said, we are so excited for you to get to Ireland Because our sons don't even know a Christian young man. They don't know one. 
And I'm excited to go and pour my life into these young men, see them grow in their knowledge and their love for the Lord. Um, out of those four boys, I think one of them currently knows the Lord. Um, out of that whole picture, I told you, I think two or three of them maybe know the Lord. And so this is what my ministry is going to first be when I get to Ireland. But that's just one particular place in Ireland. That's just one particular place. There's so many places like Drogheda that need the gospel. I want you to put up the next picture, please. I love that yesterday when he talked about God uses insignificant people in insignificant places. Ireland is full of insignificant places. Um, I looked it up. The population of Harrisonville is 10,000 people. The population of Belton is about 23,000 people. So I wanted to see in Ireland how many communities we have that are about the similar size to Belton, from Harrisonville to Belton, somewhere in there. Ireland's not a very big place. Uh, Missouri is 69,000 square miles. Ireland is 33,000 square miles. So less than half the size of Missouri. So that's what we're dealing with. Not a very big place, but 5 million people on this island, and 1.5 million of them live in Dublin. So I know I'm giving you some figures, but I want to make a point here. Out of that 5 million, 1.5 million live in Dublin. 220,000 live in Cork. But communities that are around the size of Harrisonville to Belton, 10 to 25,000 people. There's currently 38 towns or small cities in Ireland with populations around that size. I looked up as best as I could in all of these communities to see which of them had gospel preaching churches, which of them had Baptist churches. And what I found, I could find four. I could find four Baptist churches in these 38 towns that are 10 to 25,000 people. I want to talk to you about one of those towns because it's, I don't know if this is where God will lead me, but it's where I'm praying about going and planting a church. Go to the next picture, please. This town's called Port Leash. That's how it's spelled. You probably wouldn't think it was spelled Port Leash, but it's called, it's pronounced Port Leash. Port Leash currently is one of the fastest growing areas in Ireland. 10.5% annual growth in Port Leash. It's almost right smack dab in the middle of Ireland. Almost all of the missionaries that are in Ireland are either on the East Coast or the West Coast, by the big cities. And I understand why they would be there. There's hardly anybody right in the middle of Ireland reaching these people. Port Leash is currently 22,000 people. And I've researched it, and I had my missions pass at my sending, path, sending church research this because I don't, they don't want to get false information. And all of our research, there has never been a Baptist church in the town of Port Leash, ever. Never been a Baptist church. Currently, for a city of 22,000 people, there's two Catholic churches. There's a um, Church of Ireland church, and there's a uh, very, very heavily Pentecostal church in Port Leash. The closest evangelical gospel preaching church is about 45 minutes away. There's no gospel preaching church in Port Leash, and there's never been an established Baptist church in Port Leash. There are two missionaries that I know of in the last 25 years who tried to go to Port Leash. They started Bible studies. One of them just fizzled out. One of them had a moral failure and left the mission field. But Port Leash is an insignificant place that nobody is going to. So why Ireland? I think Ireland because, number one, people need to go. People need the gospel. But why not Port Leash? Why not Kildare? Why not all these other tiny little places? That's why I believe Ireland is a strategic place for missions. Because Ireland is so small and tiny that someone could go and have a ministry and then go start these seed plants in other places. There's so many places that have never had the gospel preached to them in Ireland in many, many, many years. Ireland's a key country because the need is great, but like I said, the access is great too. Once you're in Ireland, you can get anywhere very quickly. It's 170 miles east to west, the whole country. So someone can move to Ireland and have a church that's a hub church sending out people all throughout Ireland. Five million souls in Ireland. And there's great work to do in Ireland, but I am fully convinced that we can reach Ireland for Christ. I'm personally praying that God calls families to serve alongside me, or if they're not serving alongside me, serve alongside somebody. Because right now the doors are open for the gospel in Ireland, but so few are going. So few are going. And what's the strategy for Ireland? I think it's a twofold strategy. Go where the people are and go where the churches aren't. 
which the good thing for Ireland is this, that's anywhere. Where the people are and the churches aren't, that's where we need people, and that's all over Ireland. 38 different towns or cities, 10,000 to 25,000 people. Now, there's places smaller, there's places larger, but I just wanted to give you an example of places like where you live with no gospel-preaching churches. That's why I think Ireland is a very key place for the gospel. God has brought revival before to Ireland. I believe God can and will bring revival again. When I'm there, I hope that you will come and see my ministry. And what I love, specifically what I'm going to be involved in, is however God has uniquely gifted somebody, we can use them in Ireland. If you're like, you know what, I'm not good with adults, but I'm good with kids. Perfect. We can use your help in kids' ministry. Like, I'm not good with kids, but I can teach adults. Perfect. We need your help. If they're like, I don't, I'm not good with people at all, but I'm good with buildings. Perfect. We have two buildings that are both over 150 years old. We always need help with our buildings. If you're like, I have no people skills and my hands have never seen a day of work. Perfect. You can help pass out flyers. That's what's awesome. There's no shortage of work that we can do in Ireland. The reason I specifically bring up passing out flyers and tracks is this. The two churches I'll be serving in have never in their history, had a piece of paper with information on the church on it to give out to somebody. If you Googled the Iron Church of Connor Ross, you wouldn't even have any results that would come up. If you Googled the Boyne Valley Baptist Church of Drogheda, you would maybe have two links. One of them is a Facebook page where you can see a picture of the church and literally nothing else. They started it at COVID and no one's ever touched it. All of the church growth has been through word of mouth. And even in spite of that, in spite of their small vision, God still has been blessing. In the last two months, eight people have joined the Boyne Valley Baptist Church. It's been amazing to see how God has worked. Kids are coming like crazy to the Boyne Valley Baptist Church. That's why we need to buy a new building. But I was talking to Pastor Rayburn, and I was like, we have to go and invite these people to church. We have to take the gospel out to the streets of our community in Ireland, almost every door that's of people's homes has a, has, has a slot for the mail. And there's not laws like there are in America against, like, it's not a federal law to put whatever you want in there. So we can put Bibles in the houses in Drogheda. We can put invitations to church inside the homes of churches in Drogheda. That's why I want teams to come over. I want us to reach these people, but I also want us to take the gospel to their house. I want to take the Bible to their house because this is a city that largely has been unreached in addition to kids and teens and young adults and the buildings and the canvassing like i mentioned we have a we're going to be having an addictions recovery ministry ireland has such a problem with alcoholism but they have a problem with pills they have a problem with drugs they have a problem with depression people are lost and people are searching they're turning to substances just like they are in america but in ireland people desperately need jesus and these are all different ways god has opened up for us to reach them. That's why I think Ireland is a key place for the gospel. So that was the past of Ireland. That was the present, what things currently look like. And I want to just talk to you about the future of Ireland. Unless the Lord tarries his return and people turn to Christ, Ireland's going to go back to where they were before. They're going to go back to worshiping nature instead of the creator. They're going to be worshiping themselves. They worship themselves. They're lovers of themselves, lovers of their sin. And there's very few even evidence that the gospel has ever been in Ireland. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Ireland is growing like crazy. And we have a great opportunity right now to go and reach these people with the gospel. And I believe we can reach Ireland if we partner together. It's a key country where the need's great. And like I said, we can reach the world for Christ through reaching Ireland. Because these people are coming to Ireland and they're going home. And I believe that it's a very strategic location. And Ireland is a hard country. So as I talk about all these exciting things, I don't want you to think I'm naive to think that it's going to be easy. But like I shared with you the other day, when I met a bunch of these missionaries who were discouraged and basically telling me not to come, it just made me want to come even more. Made me want to come even more. And it just reminded me that You know, there is a darkness in Ireland, but we have the truth of John 1, that when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness comprehends it not. And I'm thankful that the gospel still saves souls, and there's nothing special about Brian Berry that's going to save anybody, but there is something special about Jesus Christ. It's the only hope that any of us have. And I believe that if we'll get focused, if we'll not get discouraged, but if we'll keep pressing forward, 
And if we'll get invested, then God can um, bring fruit in Ireland. And there's people there who have never seen any results. And maybe they've just been, you know, working and getting the field ready for someone who's going to come see results in the future. People have been diligently preaching the gospel. And many of these Baptist churches that I've been in with these missionaries from America, they've been there 20 years and they maybe have five or six people there, but they're still faithfully trying. They're discouraged, but they're trying. And maybe it's going to take the next person coming in and they're the one who's going to see the fruit that's going to come. I don't know. Like I said the other day, I don't know why God wants me to go to Ireland, but I'm so pumped to find out. I'm excited to get there and find out what it is that God's going to do through sending me to Ireland. And I can't imagine doing anything less with the rest of my life than Lord willing, given the rest of my life to go invest in these people. Because one of my favorite sounds in the whole world is hearing Irish people talk. I love their accents. I love it so much. Like I said, I really hope I get one. But the truth is, unless these Irish people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, the vast majority of those Irish voices will not be with you and me in heaven for eternity, praising God forever. They're going to be separated from God, cast in the lake of fire. That's why Ireland. Like I said, we can, you can't take the gospel to the wrong address, but there's some addresses where the lights are on, you know people are home, and that's Ireland. The doors are open in Ireland, and I believe we need to go now. In a very practical sense, if you are considering coming to Ireland, one of the great things about it um, that I've shared is for mission teams that would be interested in coming, specifically to Dublin, where I'll be, specifically once we build this housing, the teams can stay for free. From Kansas City, the most I've ever paid for a round-trip flight to Ireland was 650 I went to Ireland in January. Round trip was $450 from Kansas City. People can come to Ireland. We will be able, hopefully in a couple of years, be able to house you for free. And if you will get there, and if you are willing to work, if you are willing to get your hands dirty in our ministry, we would love to have you there. We would love to see you there. Like I said, I'm going to be with Pastor Rayburn for five years at the Boyne Valley Baptist Church and the Iron Church because the way that works with my visa, I have to work with them. They sponsor me into the country. Um, after that, I'm going to prayerfully go where God leads me to go start a brand new church in Ireland. And I'm going to need a lot of help to do that. And I'm thankful that I have churches like you behind me. I'm thankful that I have your church partnering with me. I was telling Pastor Hedges, I said, I have some friends who are missionaries and they go out and it's almost like you can tell when a missionary just kind of wants pity. Like, I don't know if you ever met one of those missionaries, but they're like, oh, please help me. I'm this poor little missionary. I've... It's an honor for me to have churches partner with me, but I believe in what God is leading me to do, and I think it's an equal honor for churches to be partnered with me because we can't fulfill the Great Commission without each other. And that's what I'm excited about. And I've always wanted partnerships and not just pity. And I'm thankful that I'm not just a missionary you throw your money to, but I'm a missionary that you pray for. That's what I'm excited about. And I have no doubt that when I'm in Ireland, I will see many of your faces there to come serve alongside me serve with me and maybe god calls one of you or some of you or maybe all of you to come you're gonna to have to find a new pastor you're gonna to have to find a new sound person you have to find a new everything because this church is going to island who knows what god will do but i believe it's a key place for the gospel and go forward if you will a couple slides to the picture of the door the next one then the next one <clears throat> i think i've shared this story with you i want to tell you this story i'm going to tell you a couple ways you can pray for me and then and then I just want to be done, um, and, um, but if you have any questions, I'll answer them for you later. But the question of why Ireland, this door, for me, is a picture of why Ireland. And you may have heard me tell this story before, I don't remember, but this door uh, is from 1492. And in 1492, there were two Irish families named the Butlers and the Fitzgeralds that were at war with each other. And they were literally killing each other because they wanted someone from their family to hold the position of Lord Deputy over Dublin. So one day the Butlers and the Fitzgeralds, they're in this uh, bloody battle. And the Butlers run away from the Fitzgeralds and they go to St. Patrick's Cathedral and they lock themselves in a room behind this door. So they go to St. Patrick's Cathedral, they lock themselves behind this door. And when the Fitzgeralds get to the door, their leader's name is Gerald Fitzgerald, which is a sweet name. He realizes the fighting has gone on long enough. So through the door, he's speaking to James Butler, and he's like, hey, listen, let's stop fighting. Let's just talk this out. 
Well, James Butler thinks it's a setup, so he's not going to open the door. So Fitzgerald takes an axe from one of his men, and he cuts the hole that you see in the middle of that door. And he sticks his hand through the door to shake hands with James Butler to let him know he was serious about stopping the fighting. After that, the two families had peace. And all these years later, since 1492, this door still hangs in St. Patrick's Cathedral, and it's known as the Door of Reconciliation. The reason this door reminds me of why Ireland is, if you go to the next slide, it reminds me of these verses. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. When I see that door, I'm reminded that because of the sins of people in Ireland, and the sins of people here, and the sins of people in the Dominican Republic, the sins of people in Illinois and all over the place, we were at war. We were running from God. We were hiding from God with nothing we could do to bring peace. But God, in his wisdom, sent his only son to die on a cross, to be buried, to be risen again, just like he said he would. And in his wisdom, he allows you and me to go into a lost world to tell sinners, come and be reconciled to God. He gives us that ministry. He gives us that message. He sends us out as his ambassadors. So why Ireland? Because God mandates it and God allows it. There's nowhere else I would rather go right now with the gospel than to Ireland because God has sent me with a message for sinners to come be reconciled to God. And that's the message that the whole world needs. And like I said, you can't take the gospel to the wrong address, but I'm so thankful that the address God has sent me to is to Ireland. And I am excited to see what God will do as people are reached, people are taught, people are sent, people are trained in the ministry. Before I'm done, I want to just give you a couple ways you can pray for me. Um, when I was here a year ago, I know I gave you guys seven S's of how you could pray for me. And I'm just going to give those to you again. Um, I really like alliteration. Uh, so these are my seven S's of how you can pray for me. <clears throat> the first one is speed that I get to Ireland quickly. I'm done with deputation, and now I'm just waiting for my visa to be approved to get into Ireland. It's a whole new process. Um, no new missionaries have gone to Ireland underneath these new laws. And so nobody really knows how long it's going to take for my visa to be approved. But I'm praying that God will approve it quickly so I can get to Ireland to do what God has called me to do. So I can get to work doing what people are supporting me and sending me to do. So pray for speed. Pray for my safety. Um, I'm so thankful that God has protected me on deputation. Like I said, I drove 75,000 miles last year all over the country. And God has protected me physically but also that God would continue to protect me mentally and spiritually and emotionally as I do what he has called me to do. I know, like I said, I have a target on my back. And like someone said, I'm going and stepping into spiritual warfare, and I need you to be praying for me that God would continue to protect my mind and my heart and my soul as I do what God has called me to do. Pray for speed. Pray for safety. Pray for my support. I am fully funded to go do the mission field. Now, listen, if some other pastor will support me, let's not get crazy. I'll still take your money. But what I'm saying is I'm fully supported to go do what, uh, what I need in Ireland. But pray that that will continue coming in and pray that people will just continue praying for me. Like I said, I need your prayers. I need you to support me through praying for me by getting on your face before God to pray on my behalf for my ministry. So pray for the support. Next thing, pray for servants for the ministry. There is so much work to do in Ireland. I cannot do it all by myself, and I wouldn't want to anyway because I don't want to rob other people of the blessing of being involved in what God's doing. So pray that God would call those to come serve alongside us in Ireland, but also pray for the people that are in the churches I'll be going and working in, that they would be willing to step up and do something great for God. Many of these people have just been playing church for years and years and years. Like I said, when we went and saw that new building, one of the deacons was like, can we just buy half of this? We don't need a building this big. We don't have that many people. That's one of their mentalities, this small church mentality of we can't do anything, we shouldn't do anything, let's just keep the lights on. And I'm going to challenge them to do something great for God because souls need it and God is worth doing something great for. So pray for servants for the ministry. Pray for the souls of people in Ireland. 
Pray that God would already continue preparing their souls and their hearts to receive his word and his message when I get there. Um, I want to be faithful with the gospel when I get to Ireland, and I'm just praying that God would uh, bring the fruit, that God would uh, bring the souls, that we can win people and train people, disciple people, and teach people. So pray for the souls of people in Ireland. The next thing is pray for my sanctification. Like I said, I'm going and stepping into a spiritual battle, and I want to be prepared. I want to be ready. Like, I'm not going to Ireland on vacation, like somebody said. I do love everything about Ireland. I love the weather there. Ireland is heaven for a ginger. Let's just be honest. It's great. I love that. I love the scenery. I love the food. I love all those things. But that's not why I'm going. I'm going to share the gospel with the lost in Ireland and pray that God would continue to grow me and mold me and change me and make me the man of God he would desire for me to be for the ministry he's called me to. And the last thing is pray for a spouse. Now, many of you know that at the end of last year, I was about to get engaged to an awesome person. Um, and, uh, we were getting ready to go to Ireland and she was just like, I have no peace that this is what God wants for my life. And it was a big blow to my ministry. It was a big blow personally. Um, but I'm still praying that God will answer that prayer with so much of my ministry being kids ministry and youth ministry, young adults, having a spouse, having a ministry partner would be obviously a huge blessing and benefit, but I'm never going to tell God, Hey God, you do what I want and then I'll do what you want. I'm just being faithful to what God's called me to do trusting he'll provide, trusting he'll answer in his timing. Um, and I just know that, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just along for the ride, and I just want to be kind of faithful to what God's called me to do. And the last thing is, I, listen, I'm almost done with deputation, and I'm excited to get to Ireland. But one of the things they tell, told us in one of my missions classes was this. As a missionary, one of the most dangerous things you can ever do is start to believe your own hype. When you travel around on deputation, people clap when you get into the pulpit. People always are telling you how great you are, how brave you are, how strong you are. And if you start to believe that, you're going to get full of yourself and you're going to think you can do this on your own. And when you get to the mission field, you're not met with cheers. You're not met with applause. You're not, people don't show up because you came to a city like they might do at a church. At best, you're met with apathy. And at worst, you're met with opposition. And I want to be prepared for that. Just pray that God will continue to keep me humble as I do what he's called me to do, knowing that I can't do any of this without him. So that's why I'm going to Ireland. If you have any more questions about it, I'd love to answer them for you. Um, But I truly do believe that God is going to do great things in Ireland. God's already doing great things in Ireland. And I'm just thankful I get to be a part of it. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, Brian. Do you have brothers? Older brothers? One? Did you guys fight when you were kids? Okay, good. All right, because I was thinking when you were, I was thinking, man, this guy's going to get punched in the mouth when he gets over there spiritually. But you know what it's like to get in a fight, and you're getting ready for one. So that's good. I'm glad you're aware of that. That last, that little piece that you gave at the end was was really good. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're cognizant of, of yeah, no one's going to applaud when you land and all that kind of stuff. So, so we got these six points, um, and we need to, we need to, do our brother a favor and lift him up in prayer. I, I was sitting there listening to that going, you know it would be awesome is if we could, uh, when you get grounded and established, if we could come and help with Pastor Rayburn and just get some, we could just take, we went down to Jamaica with a thousand John and Romans and some tracks, and then, uh, you know, there was ten of us, so we just all did a hundred each and did some preaching and stuff. So, you know, if there's anything like that, you know, we, man, we, I'd be happy to try to, to get something going down the road. So that would be, that would be cool. But, uh, that was, there's a lot in Ireland there and especially that point, right? It'll go back to where it was. I think we see, have you ever looked at American history before the great awakenings where we were? I mean, it really wasn't much different. Every time there's been a revival, it's been because we're, we're pretty, we're, we're like Israel. We go back quick. Roaring Twenties, you can go back there, you know, and look at what was going on. So it's just the same cycle, sin cycle over. We're fortunate, though, in our country that we've had waves of revival, you know, and uh, and so of genuine revival, not just a rock concert. I mean, like real revival, the genuine Holy Ghost movements of the Spirit of God and the Word of God was always associated with that as well. And, of course, we know what time it is. We know the, the next, there's going to be signs and wonders and lots of, Sorry, I gotta fix this here. This is driving me crazy. All right, so, uh, so, uh, you know, this is a, this is a, a, this is the, the last, 
the last two raw, you know, most likely. So we need to really be about the business. And I'm thankful that God's still calling faithful men who are able to teach others also. So let's do this. Let's stand together. And you've been sitting, and we're going to get ready to eat. And it's been a good morning. Um, you know, when we go and we look at the Philadelphia partnerships, we look at the opportunities, um, and they're big. Uh, it boils down to people, real people and new people and the, and the people that will be coming tonight. Uh, and we really just need to be, you know, take some of these things and take them to our own heart and, and really, uh, you know, be in prayer for uh, Brian. You can support Brian or Lee or um, this pastor um, in um, Myanmar. I mean, we can we can pray. And God's hearing our prayers, you know. So God is is, is is well able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Um, and, man, would to God we wouldn't be apathetic or in opposition to God. You know, let's go with God and what he's wanting to do in the world. And let's not be weary in well-doing, right? For in due season, you know, uh, man, we will reap if we faint not, right? So, um, man, there's a lot here just this morning to wrap our heads and hearts around. Pastor Halpy, Halpy, Pastor Halpy. We need to pray for him as well. So a couple key men, key places, opportunities. And in both of these cases today, what I like about today is uh, we start off like with a history lesson of what God has done. We skipped kind of over, I mean, we had a little bit of what God's doing in our local churches and stuff, which at one time was just a vision, uh, but it's established now. But really today we looked at stuff that God has yet to do. So we're, we've entered into a place of faith. Uh, where we're trusting God for things that have not yet happened, you know, because we believe his word. It's exciting, uh, but it's also challenging. So um, also one other thing as we conclude in prayer, remember to thank the, the ch- children's workers. The kids are getting a little, it's getting a little dicey over there right now. So our kids are getting tired, and they're working hard over there. So make sure you love up on them. And uh, when it goes to eating, if they're like ahead of you, if you see them coming down the hall, let the mama people go first and let them eat. You know, let, them, let them get some nutrition. And uh, let them get out of here and get some rest. Okay? So thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, everybody, for coming. I'd like to have um, – who would I like to have? Jay, you want to come up, brother? It was a good message last night. And uh, and uh, just uh, – let's just pray over this. Would you – Would you? Would, yeah, come on up. I would – I could have come down, but I'm, I'm supposed to condescend to men of low estate, but you're not of low estate. All right, so, yeah, I'm, here's the six S's, too. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer and pray over this. Lord, I think what I took away today is a burden. And just so thankful that you're still giving men burdens when when they see needs. And uh, I just pray for Pastor Halpy and all the things that Mike asked about and their church's involvement, that you would make those things happen. You're a big God. We want to do great things for you, and, and you're a God that does great things, unexpected. And uh, what what Brian told us this morning is, is so true. I've been to Ireland. It's so dark. But to hear those statistics and to see that availability and to hear the excitement today and to see the burden, Lord, it's it's good to have a burden for you. It's good that you give burdens, and we just pray that you would you would work in, in all of these S's that were mentioned, the, the speed, him getting there. Very sincere requests, Lord, his safety, uh, the support, and, and even being honest about financial. And it, it's, it's the prayer now so that the power of God would, would be enacted. And for the servants uh, that, that you're going to provide them, the workers that he needs. And, and Lord, uh, indigenous folks as well as, as guests and visitors from the outside. So that you can do a great work in Ireland. And, Lord, for the souls of Ireland to be responsive to the gospel, Rome has perverted that whole place. And it's dark and it's complicated, but the gospel's light. And it is the power of God. So we just pray that you'd work, Lord. We pray now, today, you work in a great, great and mighty way. And, and on the other side of this, in five years, we just say, wow, that was unexpected. Lord, for his sanctification, uh, when you do these things, you feel very alone. And, uh, Lord, he's going to see what sanctification really is. So I just pray that you'd be there right right there with him. I love what Paul said at the end in Timothy. There was an, Everybody else left me, but the Lord stood by me. And, God, in those moments that he would know that you're right there with him. 
and father, finally for a spouse. I was thinking that. He's a single going away, and I didn't know his story. And to hear that this morning, that was hurtful. But it makes me think you've got something better for him. And to know that he desires to be married, God, would you bring just a perfect young lady for him? Maybe she's going to be someone from over there, but and that he would be able to patiently wait for that. For every single in this room that desires to be married, Lord, it's, it's, a, it's a time of temptation. I just pray that you'd guard all of our singles and that they'd be single-minded and focused upon you. And Lord, without belaboring this, we just want to say thank you for this morning, for all the different things. It's exciting to be a part of the work of God, and so we're just so grateful to you to count us worthy to be a part. And uh, we thank you for this food and our fellowship. And we pray that as you look down on this last part, just us talking together, that you'd be pleased and that you'd take this even a little bit further. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.